0: Dungeon Devotee, Written by J.P. Valentine Narrated by Andrew Tell Coda Into the Darkness Edmund stepped into a white room, its walls stretched no more than 20 feet apart, its ceiling hanging but three above Edmund's head. Across it stood the exit, already open, the darkness behind it already beckoning to him. First, he had to get past the room's sole occupant, Liam. The dungeon's avatar sat at an ornate wrought-iron garden table, a furnishing clearly designed for an outdoor space cluttered with nature. In the plain, sterile, white room, it felt out of place. A second, bent metal chair sat unoccupied across from Liam. Edmund didn't move for it. Liam looked him up and down and let out a breath. Relax, I come bearing gifts. Edmund didn't so much as twitch, continuing to stare down Liam in domineering silence. With an over-exaggerated sigh, Liam spoke again. You'll suffer no physical harm in this room. Edmund raised an eyebrow. Physical harm? Well, I can't very well promise you you'll take no emotional harm, Liam said. There's no telling what'll happen inside that head of yours. But then emotional harm doesn't always stay emotional with you, does it? Where are we? Edmund pushed past Liam's dig. Between floors, Liam explained. Still within the depths, still bound by the accords, just no longer in a place for death and violence. Everywhere you are is a place for death and violence. That's an interesting approach from someone who was barking orders at me a few minutes ago. I asked for a monster to fight, Edmund said, a scowl growing on his face. Something you're normally all too happy to provide. Oh, and I was, Liam replied. But I figured now that we're doing favors for each other, it'd be a good time for a chat. He said that word favors as if in invocation, as if the word carried power unto itself and its utterance meant something. Edmund wasn't sure what. So come, sit, Liam continued, patting a small golden chest that sat atop the garden table. I have a present for you. Refusing to break eye contact with the dungeon's projection, Edmund crossed the few paces between them, and sat in the vacant chair. Its angles were sharp and uncomfortable, but in his armor, they didn't bother him. Without even looking towards the loot chest, he spoke. What do you want? First, to give you this, Liam said, similarly maintaining eye contact as he slid the chest across the table. I want you to know I'd be well within my rights to withhold this from you. You left it behind, and the Accords dictate no obligation to offer it again. Technically, loot has no owner. It simply appears when a challenge is overcome and cannot be reclaimed until it leaves the dungeon and returns, or none who've seen it remain on the floor where it does. Edmund's brow furrowed. But you've taken it back. Liam sat back in his chair, his customary grin spreading across his face. The guards and delvers you left behind haven't managed to open the chest yet. Turns out, in the absence of those who earned it, they're having a hard time deciding who should get the loot. And it's in the middle of the ring, Edmund reasoned, which means they're fighting for it. It seems everywhere you humans go is a place for death and violence. Edmund wanted nothing more than to knock the cocky smile from Liam's face as he spat Edmund's words back at him, but he knew there'd be no retribution here. Not yet. But you swapped out the loot, because you want to give me something. Because while loot as a whole technically has no owner, the item in that chest does, doesn't it? Oh, very good. You are a clever one. I'm alive, aren't I? Edmund asked, as he reached his left fist over the table to deposit the piece of red finger armor he'd taken from Furia's corpse. It dissolved into the table as the dungeon reclaimed it. The first finger came from a chest, not a corpse. Right again, Liam acknowledged. You see, the distinction between loot you can keep from a chest and loot you can't from a corpse, which I would call plunder, Exists primarily so I can pit Delvers against enemies who are better equipped than they are. That's the official story. And the unofficial one? I can't just copy named artifacts all willy-nilly, Liam explained. Turns out they're called that for a reason. So Delvers fight a simulacrum until they've proven themselves worthy of owning the real deal. But if you can't copy them, Edmund reasoned aloud rubbing his thumb over the gauntlet piece he still wore, then giving them away as loot means that I no longer have them, Liam said. All this to say, he paused, spinning the chest around to face Edmund and opening it to display its contents, that you should know the value of what I'm giving you here. Edmund barely had a chance to blink before the smoke leapt from the artifact to spell out its name. "'Finger of the Crimson Hand, "'the second of three minor pieces "'broken away from the dread gauntlet of Kor Ilanesh "'and meted out as rewards by the elven queen, Saritha, "'belongs to Edmund Montgomery Ahab, "'provides major protection against all damage types, "'can be used to drain the life force from a target "'in direct contact to power the Blood Bolt spell.'" Edmund waved a hand through the air to dispel the smoke, Happy with the description it had displayed, the parts about the Elven Queen and its defensive capabilities were unchanged from the first piece he'd found, but its use for life force it drained differed. He thought back to the spell Furia had cast, to the guard it had slain in a single hit. It was a powerful ability, likely more powerful than any of Edmund's spells. He wondered if focus would double its damage too. Edmund slipped his prize over his ring finger, where it sat comfortably next to its twin. He didn't say thanks. You're welcome, Liam said anyway. I figured you deserved some kind of reward after that show you put on with your princess. She's not my princess, Edmund snapped. Oh, yes, she is. You kidnapped her, remember? That's what the guards will say, anyway. And that's not to mention the... Other way you've made her yours. Edmund stilled. He knew. Of course he knew. He'd probably arranged the whole thing. Liam chuckled. What I would give to watch the king's face when they tell him who's fucking his daughter. Edmund batted the empty loot chest aside. It tumbled from the table and crashed to the floor, one of its hinges breaking off from the force of the collision. A moment passed. The air quieted. Liam grinned victoriously. Now, the king doesn't know what I know. Liam leaned in. He doesn't know that this was Amelia's idea. Coming here, evading the guards, sleeping with... you. Even if he did know, he'd refuse to believe it. Refuse to admit how far his daughter has strayed how so much like her mother she'd become. Edmund looked up from his fury to meet Liam's gaze. Oh, you didn't know, Liam continued. Even better. You see, King Luther married outside his station for love of some adventurer who'd earned her fortune looting the Eternal Depths. She stayed with him long enough to bear two children, but the siren call of adventure doesn't let go so easily. She was seen on the 50th floor shortly before her title passed to your princess. Which is why Amelia wants to get there, Edmund breathed. To prove she's just as good. Or better, Liam said with a tilt of his head. But I'm not here to talk about princesses. I'm here to talk about you. I assume you know what this all means. Until Amelia returns to the surface and probably also after, I'm a fugitive from the crown. Not that it matters a great deal, of course. It'll make the hub floors more interesting, but they can only reach so far into the depths. I'd recommend you lay low for a while before going back up, but I think we both know you have no intention of making it back to the surface. Edmund stilled. Liam continued. You're uncertain now because this princess has given you something else to hope for. But allow me to be very clear. There will come a time when you will have to decide between your hatred of me and your desire for her. And we both know which you'll choose. Step into the darkness enough times and you forget what it means to walk in the light. You may think your princess will remind you, but she's down here too walking through the same shadows you are. Edmund met his taunting gaze with one of tired anger. You don't know me, Liam. You act as if you do, as if we're friends, as if I care what you think. I've learned to pay my enemies their due, but don't mistake my respect for friendship. But I do know you, Edmund. I made you. It was your own strength that let you survive the crucible, but never forget whose flames lit the forge. We're all an amalgamation of the challenges we've overcome. Imagine the power in the hands of the one who sets those challenges. Edmund gritted his teeth. I have flames of my own. Flames of anger. Flames of vengeance. Flames of righteousness. I've survived your crucible so far, but by the gods devils, and icons, by Thrax himself, you will be burned. Flames of your own, Liam said with an amused breath. Of course, how can I forget the classic phrase? His grin widened to that of a predator, his head tilted down, and his eyes up to maintain his gaze. His voice lowered, and he spoke the words as if they were a threat. Where there's smoke. Edmund stood. Leaving so soon? Liam sat back in his chair and crossed his legs. I haven't even had a chance to ask my question. Then ask, Edmund growled, unmoving. Why here? Why me? What is it I've done that's angered you enough to throw your life at me like this? Edmund leaned forward, pressing both palms onto the table. Do you have any idea what it's like up there? Of course you do. It's 200 people every day waiting in line for their chance to die. It's mothers, fathers, daughters, sons, people the world will miss. They're up there right now, waiting patiently for their turn to be slaughtered, eager for the opportunity to win something for themselves rather than face their own empty bellies for another day rather than face their children's empty bellies for another day. They know they don't stand a chance. They know their odds of survival aren't high, but they march to their deaths anyway. Because someone, somewhere along the line, convinced them the risk was worth it. Liam paused and blinked and looked up at Edmund with a blank expression. Come now, you're not here for some peasants you've never met. So tell me... Which of your friends was worth throwing your life away? Because I'd know if it was family. All it took was a drop of blood to know you're not here for some dead relative. Edmund bit his tongue. He didn't know. How didn't he know? Liam knew everything. Edmund considered telling him, revealing just what the depths had taken from him. But he stopped short before he could part his lips. It seemed like a trifle but every gap in Liam's knowledge was a weapon to be wielded. For now, the dungeon would have to make do without knowing Edmund's true motivations. A moment's silence passed before Liam sighed and continued speaking. I offer people a deal. Nothing more, nothing less. If I recall, you keep a copy of the terms of that deal in your satchel there. You offer a deal to the Amelias of the world, to the Derns, to the Dragon's Claws, to the people with the resources and experience to face your challenges head-on. To the rest of us, there's only false hope and death. And yet, here you are. Here I am, Edmund snarled, because someone has to stop you, and it sure as hell isn't going to be someone who came here to get rich. No wonder I've lived all these years, Liam smirked. I offer three things to those who step past my threshold. Wealth, power, and death. There isn't a single person down here who isn't after one of those three things. As you've proven time and again, you aren't here for wealth or power. We're all here for death, Liam. Some of us just haven't realized it yet. Edmund shook his head. You said it best yourself. Step into the darkness enough and you forget how to walk in the light. That's what's eternal about this place. There's always another floor, another challenge, another promise of wealth with a knife hidden behind it. I keep asking myself, does it matter that these people got to hold a few shiny things for a bit before you killed them, too? The answer doesn't change. Edmund stood upright and grabbed his spear from where he'd leaned it. You're right that I don't expect to ever leave this place. That's not the problem. The problem is that every single one of those drunken idiots in that tavern of yours do. The problem is that hundreds of innocent people walk willingly to their deaths every day because they think they have a chance. But they don't. I don't. Nobody does. Even if they make it out, they all come back eventually. They all feed the depths. Without stirring an inch from his seat... Liam looked up into Edmund's eyes. Yes, he said simply. They do. Maybe I will too, Edmund replied. And maybe I won't. Maybe by the time I die, there'll be no eternal depths left to feast on my soul. Who can say? One thing's certain, though. You're gonna know what it's like. You're gonna know, Liam. You're gonna know. You're gonna know what those people go through every day for you. You're going to know what it means to look death in the face with uncertainty. Most of all, you'll know fear. You'll understand what happens in the seconds between the blade and the final breath. Even if I can't kill you myself, I'm going to make you know what it is in which you deal. Liam raised an eyebrow at him. Remind me, the next time we chat, to tell you what happened to the Paragon of Death. I think you'll find the story interesting. I have nothing more to say to you, Edmund said, stepping past the table to approach the exit. Go murder some more starving peasants. I have work to do. He moved to leave, but Liam's voice reached him before he could make the final step. I didn't starve those people, Edmund. No, Edmund muttered without turning away from the exit. You only killed them. He didn't give Liam a chance to reply. He didn't pause He didn't falter, he didn't breathe. He simply said what he had to say and stepped into the darkness.
1: Hello again, J.P. Valentine here to thank you for listening to Dungeon Devotee. I come to you with the dreadful and exciting news that we've reached the end of Season 1. Were we not, Season 2 is almost completely written, and I expect it to begin right here sometime this winter. In the meantime, I have all sorts of fun projects for you to check out. Links for everything in the description. If you enjoy Andrew Tell's narration as much as I do, you'll be thrilled to know he read my four-book-long lit RPG comedy, This Trilogy is Broken. The series follows Eve as she pursues her bullshit quest to head to the next town over and buy a loaf of bread. It's pure, wacky, zany, lit RPG fun, and it's available in its entirety on Amazon and Audible. And now for something completely different, my very first completed trilogy, The Saga of the Nothing Mage. The Nothing Mage tells the story of a world where magic exists in frequencies of light, a protagonist whose mana's more akin to gamma radiation and the dark, oft tragic, consequences thereof. It's available on Amazon and Audible, where the spectacular Spencer Dillehay reminds us all to beware, O friend, the nothing mage. Last, but certainly not least, my most recent and and far-and-away best-selling story to date, The Stargazer's War. In just two months, book one, To Flail Against Infinity, has reached more people than anything else I've written. The story follows Caliban, a vac welder in deep space, who discovers how to cultivate a chi so vast and powerful it drives others mad. It's my own take on the cultivation genre, and I'm incredibly proud of how it's shaping up so far. I hope one of these projects has caught your interest, and if not, you can read more Dungeon Devotee over on Royal Road and on Patreon. That's all for me. I'll see you all this winter for Season 2, and again, thanks for listening
0: constellation edmund montgomery ahab the crimson hand aspects unlocked 16 tier 1 aspect war gray plus resonance level 4 provides a limited increase to all damage dealt provides a limited decrease to all damage taken tier 1 aspect elements gray resonance level 6 Provides access to the Firebolt spell. Tier 1 Aspect, Solitude, Red Resonance. Level 8, Gain Increased Constitution while fighting alone. Tier 1 Aspect, Perseverance, Gray Resonance. Level 8, Gain Health Regeneration. Tier 1 Aspect, Madness, Prismatic Resonance. Level 11, See Beyond Reality, Touch the Unreal shape your world tier two aspect fervor gold plus resonance level one empowers the effects of madness and war for each consecutive second spent in battle tier two aspect sorcery gold resonance level one provides access to the smoke lash spell tier two aspect obsession gold resonance level two Gain strength and agility for each consecutive day spent pursuing your obsession. Gain mana for each consecutive month spent pursuing your obsession. Tier 2 Aspect The Recluse Gold Resonance Level 2 Empower the effects of madness while alone. Lessen the effects of madness while accompanied. Tier 2 Aspect The Island Grey Resonance Level 5 Grants resistance to overtime effects while in groups of two or fewer. Tier 3 Aspect Focus Silver Resonance Level 1 Doubles spell damage when attacking a single target. Tier 3 Aspect The Philosopher Silver Plus Resonance Level 1 Ponder the nature of reality. Tier 3 Aspect The Rift Gold Resonance Level 4 provides access to the Rend active ability. Tier four aspect, the Fissure, Silver Resonance. Level two, provides access to the Magma Fissure spell. Tier four aspect, Rebellion, Gold plus Resonance. Level one, grants resistance to mind controlling effects. Deal bonus damage to enemies above your level. Tier five aspect, the Breach, Bronze plus Resonance. Level 1 provides access to the Breakthrough active ability. Delver's Mark of the Challenger empowers nearby dungeon monsters, significantly increases the value of loot chests you open, slightly increases the resonance of aspects you unlock. The Crimson Hand grants minor resistance to piercing damage, bestows ownership of the Dread Gauntlet of Kor Ilanesh, Trailblazer's Sigil of the Azure Apprentice The third step on the path of the Azure Fox Increases agility Grants a single wind step Increases positional awareness Trailblazer bonus Sharpens hearing Trailblazer's Sigil of the Root Mother Non-intelligent Strathian lifeforms will treat you as an ally Gain the ability to draw water and nutrients from fertile soil Trailblazer bonus Draw water and nutrients from all soil. Cloud Kith Sigil. Cloud-based lifeforms will treat you as an ally. Gain enhanced perception through vision-reducing effects. Inventory. The Dungeon Accords. A pocket guide. Lesser barkskin ring. Increases skin toughness. Spider Leg Spear. A spear in segments. Twist the handle on the base to unlock, then push or pull to bend the joints. Rockjaw Pauldrons. Provides protection against piercing and water damage. Vulnerable to ice damage and blunt force damage. Chain of the Lesser Cave Mantis. Lightweight but strong. Provides protection against physical damage. Highly vulnerable to blunt force damage. Good for catching and tangling things in its loops. steel Helmet provides major protection against magic and piercing damage, vulnerable to blunt force damage. Serpentinite Rear Braces provides major protection against piercing damage. Cloud Kith Satchel applies greater weight reduction to its contents. Scorpion's Sting deals major poison damage on blood draw. Blood Drinker's Crystal Quirasse provides major protection against piercing and crushing damage, Vulnerable to blunt force damage. Absorbs blood that comes into contact with it to repair itself. Blackbone Boots. Provides major protection against fire, death, piercing, and blunt force damage. Vulnerable to ice damage. Highly vulnerable to holy damage. Increases agility. Blackbone Leggings. Provides major protection against fire, death, piercing, and blunt force damage. Vulnerable to ice damage. Highly vulnerable to holy damage. Increases constitution. Ironwood Shield. Provides major protection against all damage types. Finger of the Crimson Hand. The first of three minor pieces broken away from the dread gauntlet of Kor Ilanesh and meted out as rewards by the Elven Queen, Saritha. Belongs to Edmund Montgomery Ahab. Provides major protection against all damage types can be used to drain the life force from a target in direct contact to replenish the wearer's health, stamina, or mana. Finger of the Crimson Hand, the second of three minor pieces broken away from the dread gauntlet of Kor Ilanesh and meted out as rewards by the Elven Queen, Saritha, belongs to Edmund Montgomery Ahab, provides major protection against all damage types, can be used to drain the life force from a target in direct contact To power the Blood Bolt spell. Mithril Bracers of the Resolute. Provides protection against all damage types. Provides resistance to external mind-altering effects.